Greetings and welcome to the Ashland New Place Festival Play for Keeps podcast. Today, we are presenting a conversation with Lauren Yee and Joe No. Lauren Yee is an award-winning playwright from San Francisco and was named by American Theatre Magazine as the second most produced playwright in the country last year. Her recent top honors include the Steinberg Playwright Award, the Doris Duke Artist Award, and a residency with the New York Signature Theatre. Her play, King of the Yees, was a winner at Ashland New Plays Festival's 2016 Women's Invitational. Her most recent play, Cambodian Rock Band, was one of the top 10 produced plays in the country over the past year. Cambodian Rock Band is an intimate rock epic that tells the story of a survivor of the Khmer Rouge genocide that features music by Dengue Fever, a contemporary band inspired by the Cambodian rock bands of the 60s and 70s. An original cast recording of Cambodian Rock Band from the Signature Theater will be available online starting on May 8th. Joe No was a writer, actor, and musician based in New York City. He most recently starred in and reprised the role of Chum in the New York City off-Broadway premiere of Cambodian Rock Band at the Signature Theater. He was a part of the original workshop of the play, as well as its world premiere at the South Coast Repertory and its season-long run at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in 2019. Now, without any further ado, Lauren Yee and Joe No. Hey, everybody. This is Joe No. I'm here with uh, Lauren Yee. Uh, we're doing this fun little podcast for you, and we're going to be talking about uh, all sorts of things, theater and Cambodian rock band, maybe, and our lives uh, in this uh, uh, currently COVID-19 world. I wouldn't say, I was going to say post, but that's not true. <laughs> and uh, so here we are. Uh, I'm in LA, and Lauren is in uh, New York City, uh, where we just finished Cambodian rock band. Um, because uh, COVID canceled Cambodian Rock Band, uh, we would actually uh, just closed like about a week and a half ago, but uh, we ended up closing a week and a half early. And now here we are in our separate cities, uh, weathering out the storm. How are you doing, Lauren? I'm, I'm, I'm well, and those that I love are well right now, so I, I can't really ask for anything more. I think that's I, a good... I guess like I'm I'm curious like just hearing you talk about that. So in the in the parallel universe where COVID did not exist or where COVID was dealt with and it is not uh, overrunning America, uh, it is an alternate. We're recording this on April third, two thousand twenty. <laughs> what are you doing, uh, alternate Joe? No. Uh, I actually had a sublet that was supposed to be on until April fifth. So I would still be in New York and I was actually probably going to extend it till April like 10th or 11th because my, mm -hmm. um, I had a family trip that was planned for April 14th or something like that. The week, this coming, uh, April 12th or something like that. So, um, where it was the one time that my entire family with all the babies and everything, we're all going to go up to Yosemite and we're going to yeah. have the time up there. Uh, but that is not going to happen now. Um, uh -huh. But other than that, I would have been in New York and, and uh, I would have just been um, uh, any possibility of things like possibly auditioning for things, meeting with people, um, trying to build some more th theater for the future. Uh, uh, we had talked about the possibility that you were maybe even like planning a workshop um, I was also uh, in line to do a workshop for the the Portland Center stage version of Cambodian Rock Band, yeah, which has now uh, looks like it's in the air, like it's not gonna, probably not going to happen. And um, 
and so yeah, there were there were things that were planned that uh that all sort of went out the window now that we are in this COVID world. Um, but yeah, like you, I suppose I'm also still pretty grateful that I got out of New York City <laughs> because of how bad it is over there. Yeah, and, uh, and I got to a place where I'm with my family, um, with my parents. I'm at my parents' house. And they're just making me fat by feeding me lots of good food now. That's, I was like, that's that's where you want to be. It's, it's yeah. also like, it's hard being in a city, I don't know, without family or like without family nearby. Because, you know, you guys, it's, it's really the time where it's like, okay, Joe, support your parents. Take care of your parents. And they're like, okay, Joe, we're going to we're going to cook you some food. Yeah, it's a good trade off, actually. I would feel like um, if I had stayed in New York, I would have had yeah. to find places to live, which is awful in the middle yeah. of this you know, pandemic. Um, and then I would have been alone too. Like I literally yeah. have been by myself trying to figure this out. I probably would have caught it. Um, and uh, like, cause I can't even imagine, you know, someone in my, you know, circumstances or whatever, uh, I'm not affording to, I don't own a car. I would have to take public transportation or I would have to take a lift. This is exposing myself to everything. And yeah. Um, so yeah, all the circumstances would not have been great. And, uh, yeah, I'm in much better or at least a healthier, safer place now that I'm here in California. So that's, it's all over a good thing. And also I get to yell at my parents and tell them to not yeah. leave house and stuff. Right. I feel like yeah. that's what we're all doing right now. Like I'm trying to like think of various things. I was like, what could I do for my dad that will make him not go to the grocery store? Yeah. I was like trying to barter with him last night on this. Successfully or unsuccessfully? <laughs> he always like agrees, but like kind of where I'm like, you double promise. And he's like, you heard me the first time. And I was like, I don't think I got a yes out of you the first time. And he's like, well, you know, of course. So he's yeah. looking for a way out, but, but hopefully everyone. So my family's all, in, I live in New York city and I'm still in New York city. Uh, but my family's all in San Francisco. And I guess like alternate timeline me uh, I guess other than making, like being more productive and like writing plays, uh, has not too different of a, a trajectory. I think I was going to take the next kind of post show. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take the next couple months and go think about stuff and try to write. I actually didn't have too much planned. Um, yeah. So life, I think would, I think my life is less different than, than yours is. Um, cause I'm in, I'm in the same place and, uh, yeah. And luckily I'm in a position where I'm not having to go out so much. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, I gonna, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Oh, I was, I was going to say, so just thinking about this podcast being centered around theater and artists, um, I guess I'm I'm curious about what all the freelance artists, I think, I guess, particularly like the actors are doing, because in a way, I know you do lots of things, but you've been primarily working as an actor uh, the past couple of years. And I feel like this is just a guess, but I feel like one of the ways that you're like, I feel useful in an artist is that I do, you know, like I'm on stage and I perform 
you know, or I'm working on a workshop or that you're part of things that other people initiate. Um, so I'm curious about how that's changed for you, if at all, or if you're still in the part where you're like, I'm just working on surviving. Uh, I'm surviving. Okay. Which is a good thing. Um, yeah. I I'm surviving. Okay. Like I said, I came to my parents' place. So to be honest, I'm like, wow, I don't have to pay rent. Like that's already out of the way and something that I've got to taken care of. So, you know, people are more financially burdened than I am uh, in mm -hmm. some way. I, and this is the thing where like it quite hasn't quite hit me yet. So, um, uh, give me one sec. Yeah. Closing my window. So yeah, as I was saying, I'm I'm not as uh, financially burdened yet as I w would have been uh, yeah. had I stayed in New York. And so mm -hmm. um, it's really down to like boredom and creativity because I do do a lot of things like do yeah. your place. Like I am a live performer and that's sort of my bread and butter and also mm -hmm. sort yeah. of get through life the way I want to live life. Like I, yeah. I'm not a huge TV film person. And mm -hmm. even if I was that's not happening anyway. So like, it's, it's a uh, very hard, um, to get wrap my head around it in some ways as a live performer, um, mm -hmm. that it's hitting quite a few people, unless people had put things aside, unless you were a writer or someone who was a musician or something that was, you know, recording in your home, um, that you were still sort of being able to make something for the future. Yeah that that's you know it seems pretty straightforward like i you know i used to write a lot and so i've been taking that up again but overall it's not great like unless you are established as say like a voice actor or something um uh yeah work is not nearly you know it's not that accessible and even you know if i'm going to be honest about it, i suppose that even like voice actors at some point the well will run dry like there yeah. will be so many projects if no projects are coming like yeah. at some point everyone not that everyone will have read every single book into an audio tape possible but uh you know it's it's the well is uh is pretty deep but it depends on how long this thing goes mm. yeah so it's i suppose it's going back to writing for me and yeah. Uh, myself sane by by um doing a lot of reading and doing all the things that uh yeah i guess i just just i don't know if i say should say that i i'm treating it like a vacation mm -hmm. per se, but uh there are things that i have needed in my life to sort of slow down on and uh yeah i think it's actually not the worst thing for me in some cases because you know, I've been doing Cambodian rock band for so long in a row, you know, like prior to us closing, I hadn't stopped doing Cambodian rock band for almost a year and yeah, a, a solid year almost. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's not, it's not the worst thing. Like getting a little fat is not the worst thing because no. I, I mean, I literally lost like 20 pounds doing this show they're pumping uh, so, you back up yeah so they're bulking me back up until i can do it again and then i'll shed all that weight again yeah so yeah that's where we are now um it's not it's not that um bad a place and i guess you know 
I suppose it's like, it's really time to do some good research and work, things that I put aside. There are plenty of things that I have, even as an artist, um, well, it's just even watching things on Netflix, to be honest, people are like, you, you should watch this or you should watch that in a, in a sort of research sort of way Yeah. that I've put aside that I have not, um, connected with whatsoever. Like, you know, there's junk stuff that I can watch, but there's also things that they like, you know, if someday you get to work on a TV series and you should be watching this TV series cause that's totally you or whatever. Yeah. Um, I haven't done any of those things until now. So, you know, I could, I can look at the, you know, glass half full and, and take a, you know, take advantage of my time now to do that sort of stuff. Yeah. So how about you? You're just writing and writing and writing away, I suppose. Right. Uh, no, actually it's pretty, it's pretty much the opposite. Uh, cause I think not for better. I'm, I'm trying to figure out if it's like, oh, if it would be preferable or not preferable, but I have, I have a 16 month old. And, uh, and so as you know, my husband, Zach, uh, he also has a uh, full-time job that he is continuing to work on. So our days are pretty much, uh, switching off who takes care of the baby. Um, so it's, it's funny cause people are like, oh, you must have like tons and tons of plays by now. And I was like, Nope. Childcare, childcare is a real job that many talented people do. And it requires a lot of energy and skill. So, uh, so that's, that is taking up a majority of my time nowadays. Um, and then, you know, which, which I think I was trying to think if this was like a good thing or a bad thing. Um, and I, and I think for better or worse, like the focus just has to be on like surviving of like, okay, Lauren, like your job now is to care for this baby and like make, make dinner and clean the house and do all these other things, you know, and Zach does some of it too. Um, but it's, it's just about like homemaking in a very, uh, strange way. So that's, that's my days now. And then, you know, if I manage to like wake up early, maybe I get an hour of writing in, you know, but at the same time, I think it's, it's also a time of like such uncertainty of like projects that you thought were kind of moving forward are like falling apart. So, you know, it's also like, Oh, like kind of, if you have like an hour a day of time, what do you do? What do right. you work on? And kind of thinking about like, you know, you use, you used to write plays for live theater. Is that, is that the best you know, use of your energy now, is the field going to shift? Um, who knows? Like, should you just be writing a, you know, a radio play instead, do something for audible? Um, I think every, everyone's trying to figure that out. I and think so too. Cause yeah. Cause oh, I'm talking I... to a lot of, uh, like the big regional theaters and everyone basically is canceled, you know, like in, in Ashland, OSF is canceled up until September and that seems to be when a lot of the other theaters are thinking we're going to reopen. Um, and, you know, hopefully that's the case, but nobody knows. Yeah. I, I'm thinking about that. Like, how do we get past this? And like, yeah. my brother was talking to me about like, what do you, what do live performers do? And he yeah. was even talking about how he heard somewhere in, I think it was Texas where they were converted to drive in theater. 
to like having a live reading up there. And I was like, only that could be so sustainable for a certain amount of time. Because even at some point, like that might not be the most safe thing in the world to do anymore. So like, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, Do you find yourself uh, wanting to write about this experience? Uh, I, not yet. Uh, I think that'll probably come later once we're like out of it. Uh, yeah. just because it continues to change. Uh, and, so, but also at the same time, it's like, well, you don't want to like, I don't know, like just continue to keep working like you've always been working. So it's, it's kind of like this weird, like as someone who's always, enjoyed being like a hard worker of like, okay, I can constantly like work and like do something. It does feel like this moment where you're like, I don't know, maybe you should just like sit back and just like wait it out a bit, you know? Right. I feel the same way. And like, you know, when I I went from doing like Mm -hmm. the the short version of it is I went from doing eight shows a week and feeling completely exhausted. Yeah to getting on a plane, flying to LA <laughs> to, to escape New York city yeah. to doing nothing. Like I came to my parents' house and, and sure the first couple of days were sort of like, Oh, it's nice to see family. But then yeah. the virus, you know, like shut down the world. Um, yeah. It's a good thing in some ways to good quarantine. Like we need to flatten that curve yeah. and um, that's fine. But I find myself, uh, even if I'm doing writing, right? Even if it, I picked up writing again and reading and, and like yeah. all I said, I can only fill so many hours of the day with that. See, like, this is, this. it's true. Like, I feel like in, in pre, pre-coronavirus life, there's only so many hours in a day I can write. Right. Like, I and I feel like people vary wildly, but for me, it's somewhere between three and six hours. Mm-hmm. Six is six. If it's a real good day, three, like you just, you try to get there. Uh, sure. Now I'm obviously not doing that. And I don't know if that's even a good thing, right? To, to fill time. Yeah. Because I, it feels like to me, <laughs> now my brain is getting, I would say we're getting into a weird place yeah. where it's like, does, does the weekend actually even matter anymore? Like, like it's so arbitrary and like, it, like to me, I'm getting to a place where I'm all like, what does that mean? Monday through Friday. That means <laughs> I, I, I try to like honor the weekend a little bit or try to think <laughs> of it of like, okay, you know, just, just so you have something. I agree. And I have been resting on Sunday. Like I have, yeah. I've been running every single day for yeah. like six miles or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, even if I'm exhausted, I'll force myself to run and yeah. some kind of workout because it keeps my mind right. Um, mm-hmm. But on Sundays, I would still be like, okay, today is not a day that you're supposed to be working on something. So yeah. I give myself a break. But mm-hmm. when every day feels like a break in some way, it's very difficult. So I've like literally had to fill my days with um, a, a somewhat loose schedule. Like I... Yeah. I wrote five things, five things down on a piece of paper mm-hmm. and I look at them, which is read, write, study, run and practice. Mm-hmm. So read is I will read something for you. Like I, everything takes about an hour. So I would give myself yeah. an hour. So I was like, I'll read for an hour. Um, 
I'm reading this nonfiction book, uh, uh, trying to finish this nonfiction book, uh, when the war was over, uh, about the Khmer Rouge. And, um, then I'll say like, I have a right for an hour. Um, and then I'll study, um, I've been studying Khmer, uh, Cambodian, um, yeah. studying that for an hour and then I'll run for an hour and then I'll practice guitar usually for an hour. Oh, good. Yeah. So it's like all five of the things that sort of mean something to me in some yeah. valuable way. And I do all those things. And sometimes uh, when I'm great, like feeling great, I knock all those things out <laughs> before like noon and yeah. then I eat lunch and then I'm like, oh, I have nothing on my list that I need to do anymore. <laughs> um, wh what, what next is sort of this, uh, impending question. And, and, uh, sometimes it's difficult for me because, uh, I, it's, it's, the other things of my life, I realize so many things like the other things of my life that used to take time, right? Even in New York City, you know, um, I would have to plan my trip to go to Signature Theater. Like, okay, you know, because I was living in Queens and I was like, okay, every day I had a routine in which I was like, I have to shave, I have to do this thing, <laughs> to get ready in all these ways, um, you know, make sure I eat my my breakfast or my lunch or whatever it was, or, or, or dinner, drink my coffee, get to the theater, warm up. Like there's such a planned routine for me. I, I mean, I personally have like a kind of, uh, maybe a little yeah. routine as an actor, but I, I, I am well prepared to do my job. And I, I feel like I am planning almost three hours ahead before I even step on stage of how I have to get to doing, going on stage. And then unwinding after that, like the hour and a half after that of both going home or like warming down or whatever it is, or closing up shop or like taking my makeup off, et cetera, all that stuff. And, um, there was such a sort of routine and ritual around, uh, being an actor in that show, mm. um, that required a lot of my day. And now that I don't do it. You had, like, a full, you had a full-time job. You were yeah, I had job. really, really had a full-time yeah. job. And now I'm like, even of my five things, I knock them out because I don't have to go anywhere. Like, literally just I don't have to go anywhere saves me so much yeah. time. The prep work for something saves me so much time. And I literally end up being like, okay, cool. I knocked out my five things. Yeah. What do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. Sixth grade question. Yeah, that's that's life. I mean, that's life. Um, all right. So here's the question I have for you. Okay. What, what do you I mean, like, so we talked about like what do you think like what we can imagine theater might look like? Like I think radio plays, you know, could be a thing again. I mean, like LA Theater mm -hmm. Works stuff has been doing that for years and yeah, that's cool and wonderful. And I think yeah, maybe we'll find a reemergence of those things. But like, wh what else? What else is there out there? I, I, I can't imagine. Like, my brain feels so small that I cannot imagine what that's going to look like quite yet. I'm not as creative as I wish I was to imagine yeah. Mario. For what? I don't know. Because I, I, I think... Some of it, I guess, like, we'll, we'll realize that we like, oh, you know, like, look, look how the technology works. Like, 
we don't need to fly Joe out. We could just have him on Zoom and it's going to be great. You know, like that, that kind of, uh, those capabilities are going to upgrade significantly where we all have like the Zoom, you're like, oh, let's all get on Zoom and do it. Um, I'm, I, I've, I feel like the gaming community will see, like I will see a, a, a bump um, which I, which I find interesting that there'll be some, some sense of, cause like in a way the gaming community has been untouched by this, uh, right. in, in just that, like people playing with one another from wherever they are has been in the gaming community for years. Uh, and I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of people who are going to jump on that bandwagon. Right. Um, and games are great. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm curious about what it will, like, I could see it going like two ways. Like one is that people are hesitant or afraid of gathering in large groups that, that there's going to be not just like the hassle of, you know, getting dressed and having to go here at a specific time that makes theater, you know, challenging, but also like, will there be inherent risk? Mm. Like, I don't know if I should go because like I live with so-and-so and and their immune system's not great. So like, why risk it? Right. That's going to make theater hard. And I don't know. Um, I think theater will survive, right. In whatever form it is, it's always like for all the challenges, we all love live performance and being with each other deeply. And so it'll always survive. But I actually don't know what, what form it'll take. Uh, you know, it'll be a big bump for Audible. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's true. My mind goes to like two things, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes to like how tech can make theater, yeah, uh, can change theater. And I'm wondering, like, you know, you know, like, you know, Hatsune Miku, <laughs> like, uh, what is that? Hatsune Miku. She, they do like Japanese live concerts in which okay. um, she's a she's a. Uh, uh, it's hard to go into this conversation, but she she's yeah. a um she's a three D modeled uh, uh uh anime character that like was from uh um originally from a like audio recording thing right like you can yeah. make sing uh, certain songs and stuff like that and she her voice is modeled after this famous woman or this the voice actress and um yeah and she she quote unquote mm-hmm. uh goes around the world performing concerts as a 3D projected character. Mm. So that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Like, well, we have technology in which Joe yeah. is home putting on his makeup and then they're going to stream Joe onto the yeah. stage in, into a 3D box with all of these other actors. And that's, that's what, what theater will look like, right? Yeah, that's the weird thing that I it comes into my head. But the second thing that comes into my head is like theater, like for whatever reason, like it won't die. Like it's yeah. one of those things that like people, not people have tried to kill kill it, but you know, for centuries now, people have been like, the next thing is going to come along. Radio is going to kill theater, or um, mm-hmm. you know, TV is going to kill theater. But it never has because there's something. Um, visceral and alive about theater that like it it can't die and i'm wondering 
if um, in the future, because of COVID, because of like, yeah. like the, what you just said about like disease and people fearing to go out and making it special, it sort of coincides with the fact that like, you know, we've been hearing a lot about how people are capable now of just like this session right now, people are so capable of doing remote work, right? Like, yeah. like all of a sudden, you know, so I'm at home at my parents' house, my brother, uh, he's home as well, and he's working remotely. And so is my other brother. Mm -hmm. So is, are, so are so many people in the economy. Sure that in employment is like some outrageous amount, but like literally three quarters of the population or something, I'm, I'm probably exaggerating this number, but um, is, is capable of actually working from home. And I'm wondering if that is like the model in which we sort of switch a lot of the workforce too, right? That like people don't, like we break the old model of that you have to go to a building and see people in order to work. It's already uh, been going that way in general, like the number of, you know, like 1099s and like con independent contractors. Yeah. And so I'm just wondering like if that model continues to proceed and it's like sort of exponentially grown because of mm -hmm. COVID. Yeah. Do, do we change our systems in which all of a sudden theater becomes more sacred though? Like people will make it a point to go out to see theater because it's a thing that you don't leave your house anymore as much. And like when the world comes back into balance, mm -hmm. like, is it, wow, you know, like, it's nice to go out and go sit in a crowd with people. Like that was already sort of a special thing, but I'm wondering, I'm wondering if that changes our, the way our country and the world functions mm -hmm. when it approaches theater, because now it becomes a thing that like, not just because of health risks where like, if we remove the idea of health risks that people are say 50% of the population, which is maybe huge, but yeah, or maybe in a uh, way exaggerated number, but say 50% of the population works at from home, all of a sudden, like going to theater is like a treasure. Like I'm wondering if that changes how we really look at where theater goes. Hmm. It's a good, it's a good question. Maybe it's so optimistic of me. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're like, theaters have become extra sacred. And I'm like, people are not going to want to go out to their homes. <laughs> it's true. But there's no, like, it's hard for me when people are like, you know, right now they're posting all those things like the ballet is, you know, being live streamed. And, and you know, you're going to be able to get Hamilton uh, you know, on your computer and project yeah. it onto your TV. I'm like, I don't want to watch Hamilton on my thing. Like, like it's, it's not that really appealing to me. Yeah. Like I, I, I kind of would rather have the terrible seat in the house and see it live than see a, you know, a bad, badly taped version. Yeah. Or even if it's a good tape version, like there's, there's things that, that like, when they do it on a big stage or whatever, they, mm -hmm. they have to edit it and stuff. Then I'm like, I might as well just watch film Yeah, because you're, you're, you're gauging my eye or you're, you're selectively showing me things. Whereas like on a stage, sometimes I kind of want to look at the guy in the corner doing the weird thing. Yeah. Like, 
maybe that's more exciting to me or like the big stage picture is more mm-hmm. exciting to me and of live theater and yeah and, you know unless we have like multi-axis cameras all over the stage <laughs> project some sort of thing uh that we can do that like it, in that way it's i i would say it's very difficult to beat live theater um mm. in that sense because you know I, I have seen plays more than once in which i've noticed different things within audience perspective whereas like you know when you do tv and film in general and i'm not yeah. like, taking the wind out of anyone's sails here it's usually dual perspective. It's usually just this person and this person. And we look at this person's face and how they react. And, and we're really only at what in one scene receiving one to two to three points mm-hmm. of view, but never a broad picture of that. And it's hard to sort of like capture that on film. Yeah. Or a filmed version of a theater piece. I don't know what the future of theater is, especially after this. Mm. What, what, I'm like, what, what else? Anything, anything theater related, broader? Um, any, any observations? Um, I'm, you know, the, my one concern is like, like, um, because so many good shows, I'm worried. My big worry is how this, what the state of theaters will be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, forgive me for saying this in some ways, but I would say like the giant theaters are going to be just fine. Yeah. You know, they have lots of money and, and, you know, like, let's be frank about this conversation in some way that, you know, like Lincoln center, they already have crazy amounts of grants Mm -hmm. and, you know, like the government is like, it, when they support arts, you know, sometimes yeah. are like, we only give money to the Lincoln Center. And I'm all like, but what about the Lark? You know, mm-hmm. or what about, you know, new drama? T- it's like, like little theaters or like even small theater companies or uh, theater adjacent, like all that stuff yeah. um, is are going to hurt. They're going to hurt so bad that they're going to go out of business, just like small business, right? They're all small businesses. Um, that barely survive. Even, you know, when we look at a mid-size off-Broadway like Signature, like, uh, you know, they're going to have a hard time. And what what concerns me is that those are the theaters in some ways that take the most risk. Yeah. They need to get the reward out of that. Like, you know, Signature takes the risk of doing Cambodian rock band because mm-hmm. they want to, you know, and I trust their, their sentimentality is that they want to produce something that they think is going to be A, great, B, gives back to the community in some deep sense, uh, in the sense of like, we're going to produce an Asian American play with Asian American actors, with Asian American director and writer and like all these things, uh, or Hot Wing King by Victoria Hall, which is, a, you know, uh, uh, has LGBT themes, has, has like, you know, deals with masculine, like black male masculinity, like all sorts of stuff, like deals with everything. Like, and, and they've taken these risks, right. To do these plays. And I sort of, the sad part of me, the worried part of me is that like, there'll be fewer and fewer theaters that will take those risks as we proceed out of this. Yeah. Because 
they need they need to make in a capitalist society like in that sense we like those theaters need to make money to survive and you know they will gonna i don't know they'll slap up that that revived you know people are i mean i will receive like christmas carol he'll do christmas yeah, carol. they're gonna revive that that christmas carol every year or or the that old musical that everybody loved from the 50s mm-hmm. like and i'm like that's fine but like and you're gonna make money off of it but i'm i'm worried that that the art itself there's mm-hmm. some flame of that that will be quite extinguished um unless we learn to sort of adapt through it and i, and I think there will be some risk takers out there still but i i think this is going to be shocking it will be a shock to the system in which people are going to worry about that risk have you have you seen any any examples of humanity that that you're proud of or that you're interested by um i feel like every day uh it gets challenged <laughs> yeah i feel like i see the good and then i see the bad mm-hmm. and and I, I i can't help but be very politically minded in this I, I think we can't all help but help and i won't i won't make this some big political rant but um i would say what is difficult to because we are so attached now yeah and because because we have nothing better to, to do than to sort of be linked into social media and the news cycles and uh you know depending on your sources etc but like i can't help but feel like i hear it from all directions and for me what has been difficult in this uh this pandemic is to to sort of acknowledge that this both brings out the worst in people and the best in people Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of hypocrisy that goes around too at the same time like i I can't help but notice it people will uh and like i said i'm gonna say this anyway i might read some flags but everyone's like you know trump is doing all this horrible stuff and we're like okay yeah we can all agree on that but also people are like maybe andrew cuomo should be the next president and i'm all like you know andrew cuomo was responsible for shutting down like x amount of hospitals before this thing happened like so like should we just give him credit now because he's you know uh responding in a responsible manner yeah. in some ways i would say no like uh, you know like I, I i you know there's a little bit of grain of salt so like if you're doing your best i get that and and so I, it's it's hard for me to swallow sort of like whole cloth how people are reacting to this and i understand that people are trying to look for leaders and people are trying to look for we're we're desperate. We'll we'll take anybody. Yeah, and people what people are, and I and that's what one of those things that I don't begrudge people. So, so you know, I, like I said, I take it with the you know I give it a grain of salt. But but I think it's hardened me to the fact that actually in these situations, uh, I, I in a good way I would say like it makes me more acute and aware, and it makes me actually want to demand a lot more. Yeah. Like, it makes it makes the hopeful side of me and the sort of the fighter fight of me makes me want to come out of this and sort of just like hold everyone's feet to the flame. Like mm. if you're mad about, you know, uh, what's her name? Kelly Loeffner um, and uh, um, Inhofe and Burr, um, senators who um, 
are accused of insider trading, you should be just as mad as as mad that Diane Feinstein is probably insider trading as well. Like mm-hmm. just because someone puts a D next to their name, uh, we we give them a pass. Like, uh, or if you are on that political side of the spectrum, I would say. So I'm saying like I I hold I want to hold everyone accountable for their actions, and this is not a sort of like that's sort of for me in a sense actually apolitical of me. Like I actually don't, it's not about party. It's not about whatever. It's about what's right. And uh, so, yeah, in that sense, it sort of hardens me to, to uh, that part of humanity. And I, and, and, and the good side is that uh, for all the bad things that are happening, I think people are in the country are waking up to the fact that we have a very broken system because, yeah, in truth, you know, we're seeing that the lowest rung of society in some ways are providing all the things that, you know, society has looked down on them before. Yeah. But all of a sudden, your grocery worker is kind of a hero for going into work every day, you know. Yeah. And that, you know, people are like, anybody could have that job. And I'm all like, now you wouldn't want that job, would you? Like. Like, are you really, you know, like all of a sudden, like the people we, you know, like a lot of the country is taking for granted is now, are now genuinely like courageous, courageous for doing the things that they have to do. So I, I hope, my hope is that, that people really climb out of this thing in a way um, that advances us uh, as a country. And I, and I hope that people don't, I hope that people months now from now don't forget because yeah. the American psyche sometimes has a very short, short term memory. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm all like, you know, that X, Y, and Z politician literally said the, the opposite thing two months ago. <laughs> but now that they're saying the new opposite thing, you just take them at their word for it. And I'm like, no, stop that. Like, let's look at people's, history and their past and, and, and let's move forward. Like, let's literally move forward and take like literally the sort of, uh, it's not even idealistic. It's actually very pragmatic approach to how things are going. Like, so, so, you know, with a grain of salt, with caution, you know, politically, a politically, even like I said, I hope that we advance forward. Um, and I think, you know, that relates back to theater in some ways, too. I, I would say, like, yeah, I, I still want people to take risks when it comes to making good theater because it's important for us. And maybe that's the challenge that I would lay out as a theater person. Like, now is the time. Like, if COVID is going to, sh- like, something like this, a pandemic is going to shut us down, which it, in all likelihood, within, you know, X amount of years could happen again. Because yeah. they're saying, you know, like, this thing will come in waves and it could end up in lo- in the long term being sort of like a flu, like, oh yeah, I got COVID, you know, like, like it, it will be a thing that will still exist within our society in the world. Uh, maybe it behooves us to sort of like, like, uh, I don't know what the idea is, like carp- not carpe diem, but uh, you know, that we, that we challenge ourselves to just literally be better people. I mean, like what, what I hope like we remember that stays in the American consciousness is like consumption. But I was like, right now, 
uh, in many ways, consumption is way down and like, and, and we're all still functioning. And I hope when things, we have the opportunity to go back to the way they were before that we won't go back to the way that they were before. Yeah. In that respect. You know, the air in California is like literally the cleanest it's been. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I look at that and I think, yeah, that's a good thing, isn't it? Like, yeah, but it, but it came home. out of this, you know, out of fear, like immediate fear rather than an acknowledgement of uh, what's best for us in the long run. Yeah. And so, yeah, I agree with you. And I think, yeah, there is sort of this, this yeah, idea of consumption that we can also like pare down what we need. Yeah. Um, there was this, this thing, this uh, podcast that I was listening to. Uh, I forget exactly what it was. Oh, I think it was like Intercept or something like that. And um, Jeremy Skeho, as it said on The Intercept, the thing that touched him the most or that like made him sort of break down the most was someone mm-hmm. had said, you know, that last time that you saw somebody and you hugged them, that could have been the last time you hugged them. And I was like, whoa. That's heartbreaking. And and it really put into perspective, even for me, yeah, the value of family and friendship and like what we take for granted as a society, because now we don't have that. Um and you know, like so I have someone in my family member who tested positive actually for COVID and they're doing well. Um now like they've gotten better um and or or are recovery in recovery and but even in that household alone you know then they have to worry about like all the people they infect and like how it gets passed along um Mm -hmm. and and i think about that and like when they told when you know when they told me like oh i have it i was like it really crushed me i was like like if if i lose you to this thing I don't know how we would feel like, like angry, like mm-hmm. and sad and like, it's unforgivable, like in some ways. And so like it, but the, 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 on the positive side, you know, it really does challenge me to, to, um, want to cherish my time with people and, um, really not take for granted family and friends and all those things. Yeah. I, you know, it, you know, I would say this one thing and I, uh, goes back to Cambodian rock band in some way. I can't talk about Cambodian rock band in this way. You yeah. know, it's like a war, like, mm-hmm. you know, like my, my parents, you know, like we, we've talked about, uh, our survivors of the Khmer Rouge and yeah. even though I'm like, come on, stop going out. Right, uh, which they've gotten better about. Um, they faced something like at the outstart of this when when they were receiving all this information about it, that you know really stirs up that kind of environment in which, like, you don't know what's safe. Uh, it's not quite the exact same thing, but you don't know what's safe and you don't know what is real and you don't know when you're going to see people again. Mm-hmm. And sure, we have the technology technology to sort of be connected to people in certain ways or whatever but uh it's there's a lot of fear and uncertainty and i think 
you know, if we can get better about these things as we move forward and as we come out of this, um, uh, there will be a lot of consequence for all of this. And I, like I said, I, I hope we can get past us. The thing is, I also worry about like the psychological toll that it will take on the country as well. So like the plus sides and the downsides, but yeah, I, I don't know. I look at all the negative things and I see that there is also a positive end to that spectrum too. Like maybe we will take this, you know, the PTSD that will eventually come from this in some form or fashion to like challenge our system of mental health or challenge our regular health system or challenge our capitalist society or challenge our socialist, you know, ideals or whatever it is. Everything like will be challenged in some way. Yeah. Does, does all of like, when you were talking about all of this, does this, what we're going through now make you want to work more? Like, are you like, I can't wait to get back on a stage. I can't wait to do some theater again. Or does it make you less, less, I guess, ardent about being like, can't wait to get back to work. I think it's both. Um, yeah, I, I mean, a, of course I can't wait to get back to yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> uh, of course I, cause I do love performance, uh, uh, and I can't wait to get back to work for that. But also, yeah, I, you know, I'm excited in some ways to see people in a room together again, in some ways, you know, when it's safe, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, um, Maybe, maybe there is a hopeful part of me, like the thing I was talking about, how it feels like it's a ritual and a rite yeah. of making theater and like that there's a sacredness about theater that I think you also genuinely understand, right? Because you love to write plays. Like, yeah. Like that is something special about theater and being in a room with people and there's a communal experience that really preserves ourselves as humans. Um, that we need to have like it, it like if if nothing defines a more social like proves that we are a social society and like when people are sort of going crazy in isolation that proves that when we are in a room together there's something that collectively binds us together and shows our humanity like theater really kind of proves that the humanity of people um mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, in some ways, like, yeah, it, it, it's sort of the thing that we need the most in some ways to recover when we get out of here. I think, um, uh, even doing a show like Cambodian rock band, that's why I think I worry about the risk thing about theaters, not producing mm-hmm. shows that mean something because then like, I honestly would say like, this is when we need to produce things that mean the things that mean the most of things like if you're just going to drag out something that means nothing, you know, and produce a play that's just, you know, a bunch of flash and pizzazz and dancing and singing and, and whatever that, and and sure there's, there's, there is space for entertainment and junk food, but like, you know, when we recover from this, there, there is real introspection that needs to happen. And, and I hope that, 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 you know, things like Cambodian rock band, et cetera, will come out that really challenges our humanity and make us think a lot more about how to live in the world and give us more questions and answers. Mm. Um, because yeah, I, I think that 
people will need that when they get out of this. They will need a place to sort of, uh, you know, theater, okay, this is what like, I, I think it's all my time sitting in this box, my, my, yeah. home, my home prison, right? Yeah. Uh, gives me time to think about all these things, right? Like, uh, people are like, what's theater? And I'm like, a good theater to me, and I say good theater, not I, I feel this is my opinion about good theater, mm-hmm. um, is that it raises more questions than it gives you answers. It's not prescriptive. And the reason why it's not prescriptive is because it challenges humanity in a way that forces us to introspect and makes us um, be better as people. And, and I think that, yeah, as we get out of this thing, people will need a place to put their feelings. And people will need a place to um, allow themselves to be challenged and both say, uh, and at the same time say it's okay. The one thing about Cambodian rock band that I, I always talk about that, that gives it the most value for me, uh, however I play the character or wherever it's done, like all the pizzazz of the show and the rock concertness of it and the wonder of yeah. how magical Cambodian rock band can be is that the thing, you know, I've mentioned before is that, um, when Cambodian people come see the show and it's not just not Cambodian people, but it extends to a lot of people. Um, Holocaust survivors uh, often are touched by this fact as well. Um, and people who survive situations close to genocide, et cetera, or situations in which um, the consequences of their lives or the choices that they make in their lives are more gray than they are black and white. Um, when they step out of those situations, so when a Cambodian person comes to see Cambodian rock band, um, uh, I've often mentioned that there are a lot of survivors who don't like to talk about their experiences. So when they come out of it and they say like, oh, th- what you just saw on stage, when they bring their kids to see the show or whatever, yeah. like, what, what, what you just saw on stage, I don't know if most of that was real, right? They sort of like, they can put that in a fiction context and be like, that's just fiction. But then they would then illustrate to their kids or whoever came to see the show, like, but this is what happened to me. And then they share their fact, right? Whether mm-hmm. anecdotal or not, they share their fact, which is like what really good theater does, right? Like it challenges the concept that like fiction or like it doesn't challenge concept, it illuminates the context uh, in which fiction tells us more about life sometimes than nonfiction does like the way we function in life sometimes it's really quite illuminated through fiction um and like a play like cambodian rock band really challenges cambodian people and more more than that beyond that of course um to sort of look at a fiction that is presented and still be able to draw something so innately authentic and true from it um that really causes us to sort of introspect and think about our lives and be better people. And I think that's incredibly valuable. And I, and I hope that, like I said, that the risk that are taken in theaters as we come out of this is still that sort of challenge. And they, they still challenge themselves to do that because I think people will need a place to go to maybe if there are plays that are written about COVID, right? Like literally <laughs> plays that are written about quarantine or COVID or whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
to the absurd spectrum, which I can imagine there are going to be zombie plays, which is not my thing, but whatever floats your boat. Um, If people come out of this thing and they're like, you know, that zombie play that came out of that really made me think about like my experiences, that thing, and really allow me to sort of assess my life and uh, make sense of what happened. If that happens, if in short that that one thing happens, I think that's an incredible thing that happens. Like, I hope that's where we go, maybe. Yeah. I think maybe like maybe the the last thing that I'll add is uh, so a a year, I think a year and change ago, I had had the baby and I was like going through basically maternity, you know, I'm freelance, so there's no official plan, but just like the period of time in which you know, the baby was just born. And, and I remember just like my natural instincts were always, cause you know, I've, I've always been a productive person. I've always, you know, I think there was like something to prove and like, no, I I'm still, I'm still in this career and I'm still working on it, even as I have this small baby. And I feel like at the time, I wish I hadn't tried to fight it as much because every day I'd be like, okay, I'm going to send emails. I would have the baby on top of me sleeping as I'm like trying to write an email. Um, and I feel like, you know, a year later I was like, you know, well, well, I'll get done what I can get done. But, uh, you know, I, I do have the privilege of being able to be at home and spend time with family and to not, to not fight it or rush. And yeah. just to kind of accept it for what it is and be like, you should enjoy this because, you know, you're you're not a bad position. Yeah, it's a real it's, you know, also, I would say the same thing. Like it's there is a privilege in that. And I understand that to be innately true. If, you know, even for myself, as I'm like sitting at my parents house, mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's such privilege in that, like that I get to do that. Um, so yeah, I understand like, you know, half the world doesn't have that, which is, which is rough. And so, you know, like as we move forward, I hope, you know, like we think about how that this has affected us, just think about the systems that have functioned or failed. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe as artists that we, this is a call to arms to artists, I hope to make and make and make things that are of value, um, even more. But I would also say to the parents who are listening, if any, uh, I'm taking you off the hook. You don't yeah. have to be productive. You just, you got to keep your kid alive. Oh, for sure. No, I'm with you on that 100%. You do you. Like uh, my brother, I know just, I just tell you this silly little story. Yeah. He is probably going insane over there. Like, yeah. like he's got two, two little girls. And, you know, he, of course, he, like, he loves his children. Like I love them to death, but like, he is probably like, what do I do now? Like, you know, there's only so much that we can do. And, and like, I see all these parents on Instagram and Facebook being like, here's a good idea. You know, this is one of those things where now also like daycare workers, like, this is the thing we so take for granted, right? Like, I'm sure you also like, you know, are with the sentiment, like daycare workers and babysitters and nannies and like teachers, you're like, you people, as if we didn't know you were saints already, 
<laughs> like yeah. now there these parents are like I have to homeschool and uh like one of my friends posted like it only took me 2 days and I was yelling at my kid to go do work you know like to like study his book or whatever like you know and uh they're really facing the consequence of like oh teachers you know some people who I'm not saying that person, but, you know, some people who are some teachers who are like, it's easy. Like, yeah. what, they're, what are they doing? And I'm all like, you, you try taking, you know, dealing with 20 kids in a 20 to 40 kids in a room. And now you've got three and you're losing your mind. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, uh, I hope all of you and your loved ones stay stay well. I can't wait to see what comes out of out of this period for you of yeah. kind of reflection. Maybe maybe nothing, which is also fine. I think that's also good. It's time to heal and recover. And yeah. I, you know, I'm with you on that sense too. Like I'm not like even all I said all the things that I said. I'm all like, hey, you know, like. The air in California is better. Like the world maybe just needs some time to take a break. And, you know, this is a wake up call for us. And, and our sort of, you don't need to have the best body in the world. Maybe when you come out of this or have written the great American novel, <laughs> like, yeah. Or yeah, maybe it's, it's a good thing that we just breathe. And, and if you have the privilege to do that, you know, appreciate that and do that. Like, yeah. Yep. All right. I think nice, that's our time, nice, huh? Nice talking to you. Yeah, and this is a good chat. Anybody who's listening. Yeah, everybody. When this is all, you know, passe and old news by now, when this comes out. <laughs> Just wait till like in 10 years from now when you're listening to this, re-listening to this, you'd be like, wow, I had no idea that blank. <laughs> I know, right? Who like, knows? Yeah, I was such a child when I, was, yeah. like, you know, when I when I made that. I didn't know the world would completely collapse. Yeah, and listen to this on a, a pirated radio station somewhere in the desert. Anyway, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. But I hope you're well, Lauren. It's good Thank talking you. to you. Thanks for listening. Ashland New Place Festival Play for Keeps podcast is produced in beautiful Ashland, Oregon by me, Andy Neal, and Cara Quinn Lewis, with written content edited by Carol Florian. Many thanks to all our supporters and AMPF members who help support new works for the stage. Visit us online at ashlandnewplays.org. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Help us spread the word, like, follow, share, and subscribe. I'm your host, Andy Neal. Thanks for listening to the Ashland New Place Festival Play for Keeps podcast. <laughs>